Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, kids. Um, welcome to the program. I'm me, uh, she is her, and you are you. Uh, so f- thanks for being here. Just a game. As we start our new summer adventure, two shows a week, Mondays and Fridays. We'll be back on Friday. Today, though, uh, you'd never know. It, it does not feel like that. this is uh, Cami Kepke, obviously, with us. Uh, hello, hello. Hello, hello. From Global, The Surge, and so many other places. But you know this to be true. This is on the sporting calendar the single quietest day of the year. It is the MLB home run derby, which two decades ago didn't exist. And then the major league baseball all-star game tomorrow. And then Wednesday, no games and back at it on Thursday. This is technically supposed to be the dog days of summer, uh, but far from it. As a matter of fact, um, you're here because uh, we've, put together a, a uh, kind of a intentionally rather interesting show, I would suggest for a lot of us, but it's been one that we've been working on for a while too, but because for a number of reasons, uh, schedule being the biggest, it, it finally comes together today um, with the three most important people in all of you sports, uh, two and a half or three of the most important people in women's hockey. All, all converging in one area, one place, uh, not at one time. We'll spread out the goodness, but it's finally come together. You are a titan of eSports, Rob. Oh, I no, 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 no. <laughs> not me. Not me. You. Uh, you're the award winner, not me. Right? Uh, yes. Yeah. that happened. <laughs> but it did. It did. Uh, Carla McLeod, uh, the head coach of the University of Calgary Dinos women's hockey team, sixth uh, coach in team history, will join us. Also... Probably more importantly for this conversation, the head coach of Team Chechia, the last two years uh, at the World Women's Hockey Championships, in which that country has won its first two medals, um, also appearing on the program um, and was scheduled to be on the program anyway, but then it took a bit of a twist here uh, 10 days ago, is Tatum Amy, who is your reigning uh, Canada West uh, Women's Hockey Player of the Year, captain of the Mount Royal Cougars. Casual the, national champ. National champion, uh, all-time leading scorer at Mount Royal, and was on her way to Buffalo, shuffling off to Buffalo to play in the fall. Um, but that's not necessarily the case now with the PWPHA taking over and purchasing the uh, PHF. 
Is that right? I, I get uh, the no, no. So the PWHPA and PHF were separate. Yes. And then the outside entity with the owners who include uh, is it Mark Walter, the co-owner of Stan Ca- Stan Cast uh, and and uh, Billy Jean King. and Billy Jean King. So yeah. they have uh, gotten both leagues. They have a collective bargaining agreement together. The PHF will cease operations. Okay. And just completely shut down. Uh, the PWHP or pardon me, PWHPA wasn't a league to begin with. It was no. a showcase series. It was an entity. Also, yeah. It will also disband and they will form a new league. A new to be named league, but to part of that, teams like Buffalo uh, cease to exist and their contracts have been voided. Oh so, boy, do we have some numbers to get into on that? Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Uh, and and Tatum is is actually far more uh, interesting than your typical hockey player is anyway. Um, because of her other interests and her other uh, uh, passions, so to speak. So I'm really excited about that conversation. That is coming up. Um, But Carla is going to join us here in the next little while. Uh, Before we get there, not a lot to add from the local hockey hero standpoint. Their uh, uh, annual prospect camp came and went over the weekend. It finished up over the weekend at Winsport. Uh, Matt Coronado, by all intents and purposes, uh, stood out. Hosnick, the first over our first round pick stood out. Um, but it's, it's kind of the rest of Craig Conroy's work, which remains, um, you know, in, in the public eye, um, you know, is Lindholm staying, is Backlund staying, is Hannafin going, those types of things. Not much changing there. The only big thing that happened in the National Hockey League while we were away was Alex Debrinkett finally gets traded to Detroit, uh, Finally, you say it like this was like a Chikrin-esque situation. No, it wasn't Chikrin-esque, except that it, it always felt like the right destination, and then it fell apart, and then it got put back again, and then it fell apart, and it put back again. And, you know, was, we had Eric Hatchek on, on Friday. We were talking about uh, Steve Eiserman and the, and the Red Wings, and there was a lot of people that were kind of, you know, hasn't been a great summer for the Red Wings. Well... You had a 40-goal scorer who's a local guy, and I suggested that changes your summer. We'll see. Didn't like the way DeBrinkett left. Um, you know, the, the comment on one of the calls today was, well, I was only in Ottawa for a year, so I really didn't have enough time to figure out whether or not I wanted to uh, stay long-term. Exactly how long does one need? Like, what, what do you mean I was only there one year? Uh, he didn't want to be there. They knew he didn't want to be there. They controlled the asset by uh, by um, <clears throat> by qualifying him. They get Dominic Kubliak, who <laughs> Kubliak, <laughs> Kubalik, 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 who we all had to scramble around. He was a Calder Trophy finalist. He did not win the Calder Trophy, but he was a Calder Trophy finalist a couple of years ago in Chicago. Was a former teammate at Marquette. and now he's in Ottawa along with a conditional first round. And I don't know if you read the details on the conditional first round pick. Um, wow. <clears throat> wow. Lots to go on. Lots there. to go there. Yeah. 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 A lot we, of things got to come into play. Yeah. Cause it one. could be Boston's pick, which Detroit owns, but if Boston's pick gets into the top 10 or falls to the top 10, then Boston can defer it for a year. And so there's lots of, uh, yeah, Lots of fun and frivolity to be had right there. Monty Python esque. Yeah, yeah. Having but going back to honestly, just since you uh, mentioned yeah. Flames Camp. Yeah. Honestly, the the only thing that is like distracted from the Lindholm noise was people craning to get a glimpse of Iggy helping 
some of the kids out on the ice, giving them some advice and just hanging around wind sport. People went nuts. He still draws. He still draws. Uh, we were in an event a couple of uh, weeks ago with some of the alumni and uh, a lady came up to me and, and said, you know, I, um, uh, these are great, but I want to, I want Jerome again. Can you get me Jerome McGinley's autograph? And I, at that point, you know, Jerome was not attached to the team. And I'm like, I don't know. you know, you rarely see it, but no, Jerome carries a lot of sway. Still does always will. Right. Oh, totally. Okay. Um, before we move on, you wanted to make mention of the cavalry. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we talk about this being one of the slower parts of the year and we had a very disappointing stamps game on Friday the Cavs pulled off a massive win, their second straight road win against league-leading Pacific FC. Yeah. That was massive. We saw Eric Kobza, the former captain of the Calgary Dinos, get his first pro goal. Fraser Aird gets his first goal as a member of the Cavalry. Meyer Bevan, who we've had in, in here on the show twice now, mm -hmm. he had the nastiest backpedal assist on Fraser's goal. It was a thing of beauty and... You know, Pacific did cut the lead to 2-1, and I feel yeah. like the Cavs definitely survived that one at the end, but now they come home for a, a couple. They've got uh, Atletico Ottawa coming up on Wednesday and then Halifax a couple days later, so get on out there. I believe the tickets start at 26 bucks with the Stampede uh, double-down deal. I, uh, I punt to those who know the league a little better than I do, but I do know that there were a lot of people wondering if, the, if Tommy Wielden Jr.'s club was starting to get its feet underneath it. And if they weren't set for the bigs, because I, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe that, that uh, the opposition had lost at home in a year, right? It was a calendar year since their last setback at home. And then Calgary went in there and picked up the win. So not a bad, not a bad road trip, I would suggest. Definitely. I think there's still work for them to do just in terms of hanging on to that lead and playing aggressively right to the end. Some of that is player decision. Some of that might be, player management, who's coming on as a substitute, that kind of thing. But it's really promising because, you know, they were at the lower end of the mucky middle for quite some time, now 13 matches into the season. And today they sit third on the table and just four points behind Pacific and one point behind good old Forge. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And they're, uh, they're, yeah, Atletico sworn six, enemy. so that could be a big one for them. Big, big game. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, we are live in the Oodle Noodle Studios. As a matter of fact, uh, Tatum Amy is going to join us live in the Noodle Noodle Studios in a little under an hour's time. Um, we do remind you that, of course, we are broadcasting live from Treaty 7 Territory, and this is an inclusive program. Everybody's welcome. Everybody is a friend here. And I think that actually uh, really is a nice little uh, uh, bridge into our first guest of the program, somebody we've been trying to tackle and get on for a while because uh, she's quite honestly is, is well, wonderful, but is a, a really cool story too. So uh, our first guest, of course, brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. A reminder, all four stores are closed today, but will reopen very, very soon. You don't want to hear that. It's the middle of Stampede. But the fall and winter and ski season and snowboarding season will be here soon enough. And, of course, you can always join them online at skisellersnowboard.com. Two-time Olympic gold medalist. She is the head coach of the University of Calgary Dinos, also the head coach of Team Chechia and World Women's Hockey. Uh, and our good friend, Carla McLeod, joins us today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. And nice to see you, Cammy. And obviously, Rob, good to be here. So, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm living the dream. I'm actually, I'm, I'm live on vacation here, so this is good. Well, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, you didn't have to, but uh, trying to nail you down and get some of your time <laughs> is very difficult. Uh, 
tell us a little bit about the the last year or so um you know between your university duties and and your chechia duties yeah. uh and all of the things that have come with success yeah it's uh i was actually reflecting on the the plane ride over here uh just thinking what the last 12 months have been uh, and it's been uh busy for sure i think everyone's kind of living the busy life and you know, I kind of joke with myself and say, well, if you signed up to coach Czech, uh, you're on top of coaching the dinos. There's probably no other solution to be had other than being busy. So, you know what? A bit of a whirlwind for sure. Obviously, I'm only two years in with the dinos, so even that's still quite new uh, on the grand scheme of things. So just, again, kind of getting comfortable there and getting our group uh, aimed in the right direction. It's been uh, nothing short of incredible. Uh, great group to work with, but uh, still new there. So learning the ways and then... Also, obviously, with taking over Czech, it's just now the the travel component, having you know, coached two world championships in whatever it was, seven months or eight months, which is abnormal. Uh, so there's been a, a lot of hockey in my life, uh, but good news is I love it. So it's uh, it's been a great year. I'm so curious because, I mean, you burst onto the scene with Chechia. You guys get your first medal at Worlds, and it's a bronze, which is just so fabulous for those women. But then you prove that it wasn't a fluke, and you do it again. What did that second bronze prove about the group? Yeah, yeah, but both were, were quite something. Both were really sort of unique story. Uh, to, to have the front row seat to that first one was uh, really like nothing else I've ever experienced in the game. Uh, you know, when you when people realize their own potential and you've had a front row seat to it, it's it's a privilege. So, you know, certainly that was a, a big sort of check mark for the group and the team. And it's been on a good trajectory for, for a handful of years here. And they had just qualified for the, the previous Olympics for the first time. So there was certainly some positive momentum. But but to your point, you know, you, all of a sudden now we moved up to the A pool, which in women's hockey at the World Championships, they tier the top 10 teams. So the top five are in A pool, next five are in the B pool. So we had come out of the B pool in the first world and the second one we were starting in the A pool for the very first time ever. So, you know, we had to navigate the tournament slightly differently uh, because when you come out of the B pool, you need to win everything. You got to win every game. It matters right away. In the A pool, you have to essentially build and get better because you're guaranteed a quarterfinal game. So we had to na navigate the tournament uh, strategically and understand sort of the shape of the tournament now. And then, of course, we had a different roster. You know, we just didn't take the same 23 players. We actually had uh, seven, seven different players from the two different world championships. So we were learning those players, and those players were learning us. So, you know, I think to your question, that's, that second win for bronze was, yeah, certainly a confidence booster, a reassurance that, hey, you know, we can, we can stay in this top pool. We can, we can probably be a top four contender in the world uh, with some level of consistency. That's, that's our goal, obviously. Are you playing an active role beyond just that team within the Czech hockey, you know, programs? Are, are you giving advice? Are you monitoring the young players that are coming up in the system? Do you have any role in, in developing your next set of players? You know, with the country being so small and so few women actually playing the game in Czech, uh, you know, it ends up being a very small community. And you know, I'll give a lot of credit to our, our team manager, Teresa. She, I think she sort of oversees the game uh, countrywide. And, you know, they just started a brand new future Olympians program over there for young girls. And, you know, so she's got a great vision uh, of how to grow the game. And, you know, my role within that is ensuring that our group uh, is, is motivating and inspiring that next generation. And, you know, I always think back to when I was a kid and, and the women that played on the national team well before I did. And, and you know, it's a really important role. So, you know, I don't, I'm not so much um, 
on the ground all the time, obviously just being from Canada and not being over there full time, but we have a great staff and, and our, our, our Czech staff, uh, you know, our assistant coaches and, and equipment managers, they're all invested in growing the game over there. So I think we're working collectively for sure. And certainly when I can help out and, and provide input and, you know, that's obviously my goal, but I would say they're doing the heavier lifting on that front. How big is that player pool? It's, it's not, it's not large. Uh, I don't know the actual numbers. It's probably Player on the IIHF somewhere. Yeah, like it's um, – but what I can say is the women that play over there are, are mm-hmm. you know, passion's an understatement. You know, our captain just retired earlier this spring. She's been on the team for 19 years. You know, I played right. on the national team for six, and, uh, you know, it felt like a healthy career. So, you know, these women, many of them have made the senior team at, you know, 14, 15 years old, and they're still pushing the game to the next level. So – you know, maybe back to that opening question about the bronze medal. That's why, you know, for me, it was just so thrilling to know that these women and the years they'd put in, they'd finally reap the reward they'd been chasing for so long. So with that said, where's the development of the players that you have? And and you and I have had many conversations about how we've grown the game here in Canada. Am I safe in assuming that some of your players grew up playing in the men's stream over there? Yeah, 100% accurate. And actually, they still do. So the younger players kind of through elementary, junior high, high school, they all play on the boys stream. Um, and then when they get to the the university age, you know, the bulk of the women on, on the senior national team did play NCAA Division One hockey, or some form of university, or they went to Sweden and played pro in Sweden. So that's still to this mm-hmm. day, we kind of have half our group between Sweden and Finland in the pro leagues, and we have half over here, you know, which what was the P- PHF and or NCAA. So Certainly, you know, we're, the root system is through Czech for sure. And, and, you know, when I watch them play, you can see there's just some natural traits that they develop uh, when playing in, in their youth programs down there that I would have died to have had when I was a player. Um, but certainly as they get to the higher level, they've, they've been able to benefit uh, from some of the different organizations around the world. And this year's tournament was really cool because fans got an idea of what it was like to be on the bench when Carla McLeod is coaching you. So <laughs> I think we're going to pull up a short video here. And then I want to hear your thoughts on what it was like to actually see what you look and sound like on the bench in the middle of game action. You got it, Jack? Heck yeah. So hey, here we go, Red. Here we go, gang. Speed and contact. Hey, ladies, speed and contact. Here we go. Nice, Nat. Right ideas. Good. Good start. Good start, Red. Just like I taught you how to shoot. Yeah. Yeah, Carla Shuto, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Carla Shuto. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a shot. That kid shots way better than mine. You know what? The just to be able to watch. I smile watching it now too. And I think you know that's been a big part of sort of my coaching philosophy and I'd say particularly in the last sort of four or five years is really trying to make the bench summer we all want to be and you can see the energy on that bench their energy feeds mm-hmm. me and uh you know I, I'm just smart enough to sort of get out of the way of them and just you know just sort of be there to I help them of course but you know bring the energy I always think you know my coach Mark Johnson at the University of Wisconsin always says your team's going to be a direct reflection of you what do you want what do you want to see and and that's mm-hmm. resonated with me and um you know, I, I chuckle when you listen to that full uh, live mic. I, you know, I say pizza, I think, 83 times, and everyone's wondering what, what pizza is. It's just a small area on the offensive zone that we call pizza, uh, kind of a quiet spot. But it's fun to listen to yourself because you see 
what you say and how you say it. So actually for a lot of coaches, I'd recommend it. I know Wally Kozak always says that when he's mentoring coaches, if you want to know what kind of coach you are, record yourself. You'll hear how you say things and what you say. So, you know, to me, it was a real uh, pleasure. And I'm, I'm grateful that the IIHF, uh, you know, chose, chose us to mic up and give us the opportunity to kind of live that moment. Uh, but we have a lot of fun on the bench. So all that was kind of just what you see is what you get with our group. It's funny you talk about making the bench a place you want to be. So Rob, this year uh, during U-Sports playoffs, the when had just been uh, knocked out of the quarterfinals, unfortunately, but the, the ladies and Carla were still showing up and supporting the men throughout their run. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to Carla and honestly, you could not go five minutes without one of her players coming over and wanting to chat with her, trying to convince her to come have a beer with them. I think it said a lot that, you know, a lot of these kids, they're not hiding from their coach out at, you know, kind of a social event. They really wanted you to be a part of that. That was so cool to see. Yeah, I'm just really lucky. You know, like at the end of the day, the privilege of this job is you get to work with people. And uh, when you you just sort of get to know people and, you know, you just value the time you get to spend with them. Uh, usually the yeah. connection is is pretty, pretty awesome. So, you know, I think for anyone that I try to work with, and I, I actually feel like I'm the lucky one. So I think when you go in with that mentality, hopefully it helps the group come together and, uh, and kind of just keep building that rapport. And of course there's tough days and there's hard days and there's tough decisions as coaches that you have to make that obviously impact people the way that you naturally wouldn't want to, but they're just decisions that need to be made. So it's not like it's all rosy all the time, but I think the the foundation of, you know, seeing people first uh, is all we need in life. And it doesn't matter whatever industry, but I know certainly in ours, it, it has profound impact. But you know, you're a maverick because this is not, that's not how you're supposed to coach. That's not how we're taught to coach. So to me, I'm fascinated by a the cameras that you allow to that you have allowed to watch you do your work with your players for the rest of the world to see, but most importantly, where it started, you touched on it. Like you know, make it a place you want to be, make it a fun place. I've I've never the only place I've seen that is at Superheroes, the program that you come and coach. Like how, yeah. how conscious and how difficult the decision has it been to go down that path and really kind of push aside the years of, you know, I don't even know what to call it, Carla, but it's so refreshing. How, how, how much of a, you know, going out on a limb has that been for you? Well, it, ha- it hasn't felt like that, but I know I made a, a sort of an overt change. Like I made a conscious decision to try to see how I could do this better. Uh, and again, I'll go back to, to Mark, my university coach. I actually called him before the Canada games. I was head coaching team Alberta in 2019. And mm-hmm. the thing that I admired so much about Mark when I played for him was just his calmness. He was just always calm. He never got yelled at, never got worked up, just, you know, find solutions at the end of the day. And, uh, so I called him and I just said, Mark, you know, when you were my age, were you the same level of calmness? And he said, I think I was Carla. I just think, you know, it's just a game. And then again, your team will reflect who you are. And it was yeah. from that moment on, like when I walked into Red Deer for that event, I just decided I was going to try to be the best Mark, Mark Johnson I could be. And by kind of following in his footsteps and, and trying to stay that cool head, um, I found I was a better Carla McLeod. And from that moment on, I've just decided that this, the, the game, nothing is worth it in the game to ever go down the path of you know negativity. It doesn't mean you're not correcting or coaching or making corrections. No. But you know, I know as a player, I never went on the ice and meant to suck. Uh, so I assume my players never go on the ice and mean to, to make mistakes or have errors occur. So, 
you know, I think it's been, honestly, Rob, it's been a, a, a progressional thing, uh, a little bit of maturity from me just getting a little bit older mm -hmm. and understanding what maybe matters more than the wins and the losses of the scoreboard. Um, and I'm still learning, you know, and I, I think that's maybe what's keeping me, you know, on a decent path as I, I actually <laughs> don't think I know that much yet. I got lots left to learn. Uh, but I do know that making others feel valued and heard and cared for uh, is something I know in those environments I thrive in. So that's try the environment that we try to cultivate as a group when, when we're, when we're together. Has the, has the institution at all tried to push back? Because a lot of what I'm talking about is institutional, right? It's just the way we've done it. We always do it. We don't, you know, ha have there been coaches or players or former teammates or observers that have come to you and go, Oh, I'm not sure you can, you should, you know, has there been that pushback? Well, I think, I th of course, there's always a little bit of doubt because I think in our society, we always feel like either focused or you're having fun. Right. It, like they put them on the same scale. So if you're having fun, you're not focused or if you're focused, you're not having fun. And I think that's right. my best way of explaining it is you can actually have a, a fun focused energy. So we're yeah. not partying on the dinos bench or partying on the check bench. We're very, very detailed and very meticulous in our game plan and what we're doing. But we're doing it from an angle that's rooted in, you know, we're all just doing our best. And, you know, I'll, I'll give a small example. You know, we were playing Canada for the first time ever in Canada at a world championship. So you can imagine the moment. It's a pretty big one. And for me personally, mm -hmm. there's a lot going on too, of course. And I think they scored their sixth goal and I called the timeout. And we were so thrilled of how our group was playing. We were playing physical. We weren't intimidated. You know, we were in the hockey game. And so in the timeout, we actually just said that. That was why we called the timeout. We paused the game yep. a little bit, trying to slow the pace, of course, and change the, the flow of it. But in the same breath, sure. all we said on the bench was, this, is, this game has been amazing. Let's finish out these last 10 minutes. Like, th we're so proud of you. Like, that's literally what we said in the timeout. So I think things like that, I, as a young coach, you know, if I – could have known 15 years ago or 10 years ago that that was an, an okay thing to do. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it would have freed me up as a coach to be a little bit more natural. So, you know, there's a time and place for all of it, but I, you know, I, there's always a little bit of doubt when you're, when you're trying to do something that's maybe not seen as the norm, even though I think there are a lot of yeah. great coaches out there that have, have paved this path for me to walk down. And I want to make sure I'm, I'm really clear on this. I, I don't think you're making light of anything, but we had a, you know, we were talking some NHL here during the season and I brought your name up and, and uh, one of, uh, a, a, you know, we were kind of talking about coaching and, and the, it was Billy Jaffe actually from Nesson who brought it up. He said, it's because Carla's meeting the player where they're at, not talking down to them, meeting the player where they're at. That's the next generation of coaching. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing is, you know, not putting yourself in a different boat as a staff. You're all in the same boat. Uh, so if you think you're in a different boat mm -hmm. than your team and your players, you're in some trouble. Um, I'm only as good as my, my crew, you know, and I'm just one of, you know, at the dinos, I'm one of 30 people in that boat. Same, same with check. So if you, if you think you're above or different, uh, I think that's where things can get kind of go sideways. And I think the other hardest part as a coach, and this is where I had to learn is the result of the team or the result of the game isn't a direct reflection of the work we're doing, you know, whether it be that as a player or as a coach. So, you know, all of that's hard. Uh, there's moments where you're just yep. wondering what you need to do and where you're at. But, you know, my biggest approach uh, with both the dinos and check was simply what are our strengths and how do we bolster them? Uh, and for me, it took some time to go in and, and assess that and realize that I didn't go in with a, a, a hard, you know, 
item itemized list of things we're going to have to do to make them better. I had to learn who they were first. And I think that's maybe mm-hmm. a bit of a niche uh, approach that others could benefit from is there's always like a kind of a tool set, a basic foundation you're going to bring that, you know, are kind of how the game's played, but you got to, you got to mirror that to your team, not jam your team into that. In, in my opinion, that's kind of how we try to go about it. So, you know, there's days where I look like I know what I'm doing and there's days that look like I don't know what I'm doing. And it, both are probably quite true. Cammy brought the, brought the video and, and we could have played lots of it. Like we were looking at it beforehand. Um, thank you for doing it. But is it, is that allowing the cameras, what I would almost call intimate access, you know, to, to team, you know, post game team, the bench and things like that. Why, why do that? Why allow that? It grows the game. Uh, it, 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 I think learning how to coach is one of the hardest things in life. And sometimes the best mm-hmm. way to learn is to see. Uh, so I thought it would give, uh, an opportunity, uh, for that. I, I thought it would give me a good opportunity to see what I do for myself and what I need to get better at. And, uh, so there's a bit of a selfish motive to that way to, that I knew, um, you know, I would learn. And I also just thought they were sharing our, our story as a team, uh, so nicely. Uh, you know, not many people will get a keepsake like that. In all honesty, that's how I view it. It's a keepsake. And uh, I just thought it gave access into the game that, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of all those Netflix series too, where you kind of get to see the people behind the, the machine of this, the sport. And I thought, you know, I'm proud of what we do as a group. I'm proud of how hard our staffs work and how hard our players work. So if somebody wants to share that and, and be a part of it, that's uh, no issue for us. There's no secrets in the game. Somebody made a comment because in that video, you know, there I challenged, we challenged a, a goal. And had we been wrong, we were going to be on the penalty kill. So the video showed me saying, hey, remember, if, if we get on the penalty kill here, we have to push up on, on Stalder, one of the best Swiss players, one of the best players in the world. And somebody's like, well, why would they want that to be seen or heard? And I was like, well, anyone that's watched their power play knows that that's <laughs> what's going to happen. This wasn't secret, yeah. you guys. Yeah. So yeah. to me, there's no secrets. Um you know, so it was just an opportunity to share. And, and I thought, you know, again, it told our story so nicely. So uh, I thought it was a win-win. Now you're turning your attention back to the Dinos. Uh, season schedule just dropped off to the races on the 29th. Father David Bauer, home game against McEwen. One of the big pieces of that machine is Sydney Mercier, U Sports Rookie of the Year. Where do you expect the team to be at this year? And what does the next step forward look like for Sid? Yeah, you know, I think from a team perspective, uh, really proud of the gains that we've made uh, collectively, both sort of on the ice and, and in the room and in the community. And, you know, we're only sort of put planting our roots in, in all those realms. So we're, we're getting there. And, you know, we missed the playoffs in our first year uh, and hosted in our second year. And, you know, Canada West is such a conference that you never know what's going to shake out. Uh, but, you know, every weekend's going to be competitive. And honestly, every puck drop, you don't know if you're going to win or lose. And that's why I think it's just one of the best conferences and leagues in the world uh the parody is incredible so you know for this upcoming year it's just taking it game by game i know it's so cliche but that's just the reality of the industry so so we'll do that again and you know try to scratch and claw our way into the playoffs and keep building uh so so we'll look to do that and of course you know to your point uh for sid to have the year she had last year uh you know again it makes me smile uh, she ended up having a, a medical red shirt the first year uh, she was injured early on and miss the whole season. So for her to be able to come back and, and play the year and, and then it was just, she was like, just the momentum she was building all year. You could just see it. The confidence was coming along. And that's the biggest challenge. You know, when kids come at a U18 level and step into the U sport, like that's a five, six year age gap. 
That's the biggest step mm-hmm. they'll ever make in their careers. So, you know, but you could see that you could see it coming along and that second half, you know, and, and she just rose and, and the team rose collectively in all honesty. Um, so, you know, she's, she's going to be uh, a, a key player, of course, uh, moving forward. But having said that, I think the depth of, of, of our roster and where we're at is, is always going to be kind of how we look at it. We just have to be, uh, we always think we have to be the best team. And, uh, and that's what we work hard towards uh, every year. Yeah, she was crazy in the second half, but I think it was it was either her second or her third collegiate game, like, boom, two assists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she sees the ice really well. She's a good little playmaker, and she she has a calmness with the puck uh, that allows her to to make the play she wants to play at the time she wants to, to make it. So, you know, of course now she's not going to be flying under anyone's radar, so that changes the dynamic uh, in, in her second year. So, you know, just learning how to navigate that now and, you know, and, and she will, she's a hockey player. She's, she's a great, great human. So she'll, she'll navigate it. I'm really curious. Uh, a lot of players who challenge for those national team spots uh, tend to go down to the NCAA. What has to happen to encourage more of those players uh, to stay here or even American players to try to come to U sports and the Canada West? Yeah, I think that's kind of been the age old question, of course, is just, you know, how do we retain players in Canada? You know, I, I don't have any of the answers either. Um, you know, I think just finding the right fit for every player is really the priority so that they love the game and that when they, you know, they get into beer league like we all do, uh, you know, they're still excited <laughs> to play. And, you know, so I, I don't know if I see it as sort of a, a conflict. I just see it as just there's opportunities to play and there's different levels around the world. Um, and maybe that's my international experience sort of kicking in there. Like I realize that just finding the right fit to, to play is more important than saying, well, why aren't our Canadians staying in Canada? You know, I, 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 know, I know what U-Sport offers and it's unbelievable. And I can compare it directly to the NCAA because I played it. And, and I think every program is running an incredible experience for their student athletes now. So, you know, I, I guess, Cammy, if there was a solution to be had or if there's ever a table to discuss it, I, I'd be happy to sit at the table. But I don't see it as a big concern because I think, you know, the more women's hockey that's being offered, regardless of level or where, the the better the game's going to be. That's awesome. I appreciate your perspective on that. You mentioned your own uh, playing career there. I want to ask, like, we have Carla McLeod here. We need some stories. Like, your final Olympics <laughs> were in 2010. Canada allows one goal against the entire tournament. Shut out the States to Brit for gold with this rookie making her Olympic debut. One Marie-Philippe Poulain. What was, did you know that you were seeing a very special player at that point? Yes, we knew it. Uh, <laughs> there's just been no doubt uh, from, you know, as long as, as soon as you heard her name, you knew there was something special. And I guess the, the best part, and, and it's been well documented with Pooh, is just who she is as a human. She just draws you in. She's unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, I, I always thank her. She, she's won many of us Olympic gold medals. So that's uh, that's a win. Um, but to see her play there and, and, you know, just as a, as a young player, she's just always been passionate about the game and it shows like you can see it to this day. And, you know, for her to be captain, um, of the national team now, it's just very fitting. Uh, but yeah, certainly to kind of have that, you know, the, the entry point of her career at the national team be my end point. Uh, I've been nothing but proud as I watched her grow and mature and, and elevate that program to, to the next level. And, you know, it's, it's not just her. And she knows that she says that all the time. She's the most humble person uh, I know, but 
but she's certainly been the beacon for all of us to sort of say, hey, this is how we're going to go about this industry. And this is what professional looks like. So I'm thrilled for her and all the gals, um, you know, that this professional league is probably coming about now and, and they'll have the right place to play. But yeah, Poulin's been, uh, been somebody special in the game and you don't do what she does and not be great. That was also the Olympics where the team was criticized for celebrating on the ice afterwards with some beverages and some cigars. What did you guys make of the criticism at the time? It's, I think about that still, and it actually boils my blood. Like, if I'm being honest, what a disaster. Like, what kind of world were we living in? Like, for us to put in the year that we put in and yeah. to be ridiculed, and we were. We were raked mm -hmm. over the coals publicly. Uh, behind the scenes, you know, apologies being issued by Hockey Canada on our behalf. Like, what, what is wrong? And I still think there's a massive gap there. Like, it's getting better, but not at a rate that's mm. at all okay. So, to be honest, it's the one memory, and it's sort of tainted that that memory. There's that one piece to it, or it's just like, what, what's wrong with us? That, you know, grown women couldn't have a beer or cigar in the venue that they just won the biggest sporting event on home soil and again like you know it's it's not throwing stones but we saw what happened to john montgomery with his beer chugging in whistler he's on oprah and we were told we weren't role models so the double standard there was was really really unfortunate and i think it's part of sport that we're we're flushing out and we just need to flush it a bit quicker definitely i will say at the time i was watching that game and i was just like they're badasses <laughs> all of them it was <laughs> Such well, I thought it was a really cool thing to see. Like as a tomboy who was always told, like you got to be a little more feminine, you got to wear a dress more. It was like they're doing it right, and I thought at mm -hmm. first, honestly, watching it, that like that stuff had been supplied to you guys. You know, they're like, here, go celebrate. Yeah. So I don't know. That was the way it came off for me. Well, it's what it should be, right? So at the end of the day, yeah. like there's there's no apology for what it was. It, it's what it should be, and it needs to be more and more and. That's something, you know, we're even, even with check, you know, I got, I make sure there's opportunities mm -hmm. that we can, we can get them some beer. Like they're, they're women and pros and this part of the game is part of socializing, part of building a team. Um, so yeah, certainly uh, it, it's, it's unfortunate that it was, the narrative was what it was because the experience actually wasn't anything close to the narrative. But having said that we would do it again, we've done it again and it's uh, it'll continue. So we do it in bronze yeah. too, apparently, because I, I watched it in the, the Czech dressing room. So there was, uh, there was beer flowing there too. So it's great. It's just, but it's just growing the game and it's just a, more of a societal challenge than anything else. Yeah. There might be a little bit of recency bias just because like team Canada is still doing massive things. People are watching Marie Philippe Poulin and now Sarah Fillier driving that bus. But those national teams you played on were just like stacked, like Haley Wickenheiser, like Ouellette, Augusta, like, how would you say, like, maybe the 06 team, how would they fare in today's game taking on Canada or the States? Well, I can, I can assure you that every national team is stacked. So you don't make a national team without it being an unbelievable team and, and comprised of a lot of incredible players. Um, the good news is the game's still growing, as is the men's game, as is every sport. Like, you just, I'm, you know, I was watching Wimbledon. I watched the LPGA on the weekend. Like, you just, you mm -hmm. know, you look at Annika playing there. And like, I love Annika Sorenstam, you know, and, and you just, you, you saw the course just, it was hard and she's older. The game evolves. So I, I don't think you can ever compare sort of 
eras to one another because of the growth of the game. But I can assure you that every era is the top version of the game. And that's why the national team level and the world championship level is so special uh, because you truly are seeing the best of the best uh, in every sport. So, you know, I think I look back to my teams and you're right. Like it's a, it's a list of hall of famers. My favorite one being Kim St. Pierre when she went in, cause all of us defensemen, we just said, you're welcome. Uh, cause we gave her up, gave up all those opportunities. <laughs> so it's probably the closest I'll be to the hall of fame, but I feel like I gave St. Pierre a good assist to get in there. Um, but it's so great to see the evolution of the game and the growth of the game and, uh, and know that, you know, our generation had a small part in, in growing the game during that phase. One of your teammates from those teams, Jaina Hefford, a big part of negotiating the new women's pro league, which obviously is bittersweet for, for some players, but what does it mean to you to see the, the PHF now shutting down and the PWHPA having served its purpose and a new league having the groundwork laid for 2024. Yeah. Like the long term of that is incredible, right? It's what's been the hope for decades. Uh, there's been a lot of women in this industry, a lot of men in this industry trying to push that forward from a lot of different angles throughout the years. Um, so to see it coming through where it feels like there's a, a stability and a foundation that could be built upon is, is truly exciting. Of course, you have, you have Tatum coming up here later who thought she was going to get a great opportunity with, with Buffalo and, and I, and I eight Czech women that were signed in PHF contracts. So the, the short-term turbulence for particularly that group uh, amongst others is the, the uncertainty is hard to kind of navigate. Um, and there's a lot of questions as to why and what, and, and not a lot of answers quite yet. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I think when you make big change like this, it's never an easy first step or first 10 steps in all honesty. Uh, but the long-term uh, opportunity that's going to provide women's hockey and women, female athletes. And I, you think that the bigger, the organizational side of it, wh you know, who can employ and the opportunities will be endless now. And, uh, and that's great. We just have to navigate the certain or the uncertainty right now uh, to the best of our abilities and hope at the end of the day, everyone will find a place to, to play. Uh, even if this timing was a little bit awkward for those PHF women. I'm sorry about your Czech players being put in that position. Now I hope they didn't have visas or leases signed. Well, I think everyone's pretty close. Everyone's dealing with that, you know, and again, change is change. And we often mm -hmm. don't get to control and have the saves to win. So I kept saying to the crew, I, I, you know, I said, don't, don't be caught up on the timing. We can't change that. What are the solutions? And I think that's, you know, I'm sure Tatum's in the same boat. You're just trying to find solutions. There are options. It's not ideal, but it's also one year. Yep. And uh, hopefully they can work through it. What, what do you need to see? Uh, and I don't know if it needs to be linked. For a long time, it was always the NHL, right? The NHL needs to wrap its arms around the league. And, and then, you know, we heard, well, we're, we're only going to deal with one group, right? And it reminds me a little bit of the conversation about celebrating after 2010. We'll, we'll be, you know, we want equality, but on our terms and, and on our time schedule. Um, so what does the National Hockey League need to provide or do for this league to be successful or, or does it? Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, informed well enough to, to truly know. Uh, but I can say, obviously, the people that have been sitting around that table have done some incredible work to get it to this point. Um, you know, I, I think women's sport is viable on its own right. We're seeing it in every other sport, in all honesty. And so I think we're not far behind that. I, I look at the, you know, the Angel City FC there and, and Natalie Portman, her leadership. And I've listened to a couple podcasts and you know, I appreciate the fact that she said, you know what, I did this because it's a business venture and it's profitable. And now they have mm -hmm. to, had to be unique and creative and making it profitable, but they have. 
So I, I you know, the markets are there. Um, so my hope is the game is marketable and the sport is why it's successful. Uh, and there's obviously some great people behind it doing some heavy lifting. Uh, but I, I don't know if we need anyone at, at the end of the day. And, you know, I, I think if just given the right platform, uh, it, it will be self-sustained. And, and like I said, I, th- I think the markets are there. Well, Calgary is going to have a women's pro soccer team here in a couple of years. Yeah. I believe it's a uh, 2026 that, uh, Project 8 is kicking off, but you mentioned watching LPGA over the weekend, some Wimbledon. Are you going to be watching uh, World Cup this summer? Oh, yeah, I watch it all. Like, I'm such a sports junkie, like like all of us on this call. Uh, so, yeah, I'll certainly be watching that as well. And, you know, again, it's just the it's such great soccer. And, and obviously, our Canadian women are, are so strong. Um, and, you know, we talk about Poulain, but you think of Sinclair and, you know, her longevity and, and impact and, and just sport. Uh, mm. So I'm a big fan of hers too. So I, you know, I'll watch that crew and, and certainly be sending uh, the, the, the vibes their way, the good vibes their way. My apologies, because I'm going back to the previous topic just for a second, Carla, because I have you here and I've never been able to really have this conversation on the air with anybody. We're talking about a new league, but from a developmental standpoint, um, do we need to be talking about a new system in the sense you know, at least on the men's side, you have the ECHL, the American Hockey League, and the National Hockey League. Knowing how big the player pool is, I never hear this conversation about a, you know, a development or a feeder league. Does women's hockey need that? I think we're we would benefit from it. Uh, you know, I think trying to get one league off the ground is is a challenge. So for sure, you know, yeah, uh, probably early on, you know, our European leagues will continue to serve a, a great purpose in the sport. In, uh, in continuing to foster growth and development and not just of, you know, a second tier. I don't mean to stay it that way. I think they're very, very much a premier, there's premier leagues over there as well. Obviously, if we can mm-hmm. consolidate the world's best talent into one, uh, that would then open up opportunities in those, those leagues for, for others to, to go play over there. So the addition of one league might actually naturally create that mechanism where you, you've got some feeder systems, maybe not as linear as the AHL to the NHL, but opportunities sure. are there again, you know, six new teams is, you know, that's a lot of spots that we're, we're, we're now starting to open up that weren't there uh, three months ago. So, you know, I think it's all a, a steady a process. I would like to think, yes, of course, one day that's where it'll be that you come out of college. If you're not quite at the pro level, you, you can still play the game. That's the most disappointing part about women's hockey right now is if you're not on the national team, we actually end up leaving the sport b- before we hit our peak. You know, we're peaking at yeah. 25, 26, 27 years old, but we're quitting at 22, 23, 24 because there's no place to play or it's not, there's no money to be had. So I would like to be able to extend our career similar to the guy side where you could play till you're 30 and, and make a living. And it doesn't mean you have to be, you know, super wealthy, but you can afford to live. So that would be my long-term goal is just allowing the women to get to a level where they get to play at their prime a, a little longer. Uh, right now they're getting pushed out too early. I'll, um, what, I'll, what I just want to stay on this theme yeah. for a second um, because we're talking about players. Now I want to talk about coaches. I heard you speak in Calgary last fall. Are you still aspirational to be a head coach in, in that league? Um, I'm aspirational to continue to grow women's hockey. And, uh, you know, for me right now, like where I'm at with the dinos and check and, and the opportunities I have, um, I couldn't be more grateful. And so the fact that I'm in the mm-hmm. women's game and, and, you know, you know, I get opportunities like today where I get to chat with you guys for 40 minutes about something I love. Uh, I feel I feel like I'm in a great spot. 
never say never. I think the opportunities and, and things there's, I didn't know I was going to be coaching the dinos and I didn't know I was going to be coaching yeah. Czech, Never mind at the same time. So you never know kind of where life will take you. Um, sure. But I, I just want to continue to help this game and be a part of the game uh, because it's been so good to me. So, you know, I just think if I could be in the game in some capacity, you know, I loved my TSN work too. I love the, the broadcasting side. So to me, I'm just trying to stay in the game, stay relevant within the game and keep learning um, where that will take me. I'm, I'm not sure. So as someone who's again, just in completely over the moon and enthusiastic about what you brought to coaching and, and how we've been able to watch it, you know, the clips, the, the championships, the, the, con, uh, the coaching uh, seminars that you've done. I've also been somebody who thinks you should have been in the conversation for coaching positions at the American Hockey League, the Western Hockey League, and the NHL. Have you had opportunities to go coach on the men's side? Uh, thank you for saying that. Uh, no, never have I been reached out to. Uh, really? So, you know. That's yeah, disappointing. I, that is disappointing to me. Really, it is disappointing to me that the game is not, you know, at a point. It seems like we're still, and I hate to use this word because I know there's, lots of really good women that are doing jobs, you know, Rebecca Johnson with the flames and everything like that. But the fact that bothers me because your work has been out there for the world to see. And we, we seem again, back to the institutional of the sport seem to be a little bit too worried about the gender specific stuff. And, and, you know, well, she ever coached me again, talking to a player, rather than down to a player. It's, it's absolutely brain dead to me that it, this hasn't happened. I'm sorry, but that's how I feel. Well, I appreciate that. I'm going to sign you up as my agent once this, once this thing's no done. No problem. <laughs> yeah, you're in, Rob. Um, you know, I think there's a few things within that, and, and I, I agree it's a, it, it's a little bit uh, unfortunate in a lot of ways that we just don't have a bigger scope of understanding of what diversity brings to everything in life. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of face two, two sort of comes to coaching men is one, you know, well, you have no experience. Well, it's because nobody's been given any opportunity. So it's not, mm -hmm. and it's not lack of experience. It's just not in the men's game. Uh, and then the other thing that's funny, I had a conversation not long ago was, well, you know, could you coach men? And I thought, do we ever, ever ask, can a man coach a woman? We exactly. never question that. And all of a sudden now the question can come the other way. So to me, until somebody in the right role can, can understand that humans you're actually it's a human coaching a human uh yeah. you know like we're just not there not in our sport um because there have been ample opportunities for women to be uh included in in conversations and dialogues and you know wh why not have a conversation just to see what the perspective is um but it's not the game's not at that point not that i've seen uh, and to your point there yeah. there have been other avenues where women have entered into the NHL and it's been great. Um, but yeah, it, it feels like there's just quite a, quite a few hurdles still on the coaching side. I, yeah. I mean, uh, when we were out at the, the U sports gala a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Brenda Willis about her experiences as a university volleyball coach on the men's side. And she said like back then, like she had two players just not come back after the first practice, yeah. but she's still standing. <laughs> That's good. And, and Rob, you've heard me say this before, and I've said it uh, yeah. at the World Championship too. Like the other thing I think is really important is, you know, <clears throat> for, for whatever reason, for probably all the same reasons, you know, often women aren't validated as whatever the role is until it's tethered to the men's game. And 
you know, I, I'm trying to carve out respect and, and sort of an expertise while doing it in the women's game. I, I don't believe we have to be in the men's game to be seen and heard as experts in the field. And, and that's a, that's a big piece for me. And I think often it's, you know, things aren't great until, Oh, they're in the NHL or, Oh, it's a woman on a man's bench. You know, I can't wait for the day where it's just not even a conversation, just go find the right fit and uh, go coach where it's best suits you. And uh, that man, that'll be a great day. But, but, but understand mine's never coming from, you need it to be, you know, to qualified. I I'm, it's a barometer of the institution of the sport. And we haven't even touched on what's happened at Hockey Canada over the last 18 months. We could talk about what's happening on the, you know, Soccer Canada. We're watching our institutions crumble in mm-hmm. front of us. And, and they seem to be antiquated. And, and there seems to be box checking. And there seems to be tokenism where it fits. But true change? You're a barometer of true change. That's what I think. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I know your take. So I knew you weren't uh, alluding to that, but. Um, yep. yeah. And you know what, at the end of the day, when things crumble, uh, hopefully they're built better the next time. And that's what we can hope for. And, and to your point, you just got to get the right people, uh, with the right mindset to build again. And quite often the, the remodel can be nicer than the original. Now, the most important and hard hitting question we will ask you of this entire interview. Um, what do uh, one-on-one lessons cost? Because Cammy has made the determination that she's going to play this <laughs> fall. Um, so we were looking for some of the best coaching we could possibly get. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, set, I'll follow up on an email there, Cammy, and just give you the rates, uh, a little breakdown. Um, no, you sign me up. I'll be your line mate. Where are you playing? We can go up there Heck and yeah. go, go enjoy beer. Silver Springs together. rink. Silver Springs ODR. It's actually the <laughs> Haley Wickenheiser rink. <laughs> There we go. A, I'll get us some 22 yeah. jerseys and we'll go at, we'll go at it. Uh, good oh, on you. Perfect. I'm going to sharpen up the tax. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, one hard hitting question as well, actually. Uh-oh. Wildly off topic. Carla, who is the most famous person in your phone? Ooh. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, deep down, I don't know off the top of my head. Obviously, uh, my teammates, I would consider some of them highly, highly famous. So I would have their numbers. Um, I, I know who the, I That's, know, I think I know who the most famous person is that, that uh, Carla has ever shared the ice with. I think I know it. You do know that, Rob. You're going to say yourself, yeah. Rob? Nope, not me. I was there though. I was there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Through uh, Heroes Hockey. Uh, when yeah. Garth Brooks World Tour came through Calgary. I don't know how many years ago, maybe about five years ago, maybe. Jeez, uh, oh, it felt like his, yesterday, his but it's terrible been a while. Yeah, it has yeah. been. Anyway, so we ran the ice session, and before we knew it, we looked over, and there was Garth Brooks standing on the ice. So all of us got to uh, spend some time with Garth, and obviously he spent some time with the kids. And uh, as a, uh, a country fan and a big Garth Brooks fan, it was definitely a, a moment I'll, I'll never forget. That picture's up on the wall in my house. There's no doubt about it. So it was a pretty good day, Rob. And uh, got to Oh, it was surreal. That it and was, that's unbelievable. Yeah. It was surreal. And, you know, Garth doesn't get enough credit for this, but he does this when he does these, you know, it was a week-long residency, whatever you can call it, Calgary. But he brings up a coach, and and they did it all under the – nobody knew about it, right? They just yeah. quietly, and they brought in kids. But they weren't quite ready for hockey. I think they could have run a really good football camp, probably a really good baseball camp, but hockey would – but there's this guy, you know, baseball cap and running shoes and jeans just standing. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And out at center ice, and lo and behold, it's arguably the most famous country music star of all time. Yeah, best-selling solo artist in history of, of music. So, And he was standing right? on the ice with us, and... It was great. Cammy, you would have chuckled because we had all these beginner hockey players out there through heroes. And I, I was standing by Garth for the bulk of it. And I just kind of, I was kind of running his, his backside, right? Like I didn't want anyone coming in and taking out Garth Brooks. So I was constantly watching behind him to stop any kid that might have fallen. I was like, he's not going to fall on my watch. Garth Brooks is not going down today. So anyway, it's pretty special, uh, pretty special moment for And sure. a nice guy. Yeah, those kids would not discriminate. Super. Like, your head's not up. Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, I mean, honestly, just really a nice down to earth guy. Yeah. How were the kids with that? Because I know, like, uh, we've seen NHL alumni come out, and honestly, the kids see they're they're more excited to see Tatum, Amy, and the university coaches. Well, a lot of the time, Philippe was there. uh, Sorry, not Philippe. Uh, Who was there from the women's side? Because it was, oh, uh, yeah, Rebecca we had Poulin and Clark, Emily Clark was yeah, there. Yeah, and Philippe Poulin was there. Yeah, mm-hmm. Emily Clark was there. Yeah. But Versteeg yeah. and Brower, was that right? Does that sound right? That's correct. Yeah. 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 But, that, so, but, but I don't they, think the kids knew who Garth was. No, no, just the volunteers did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. And was I was in nice. heaven. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. Uh, Listen, this is this has been fantastic. Uh, you're taking time out of a well-earned vacation to do this, so we really appreciate it. But it's uh, since Cammy and I have been working on this, this, you have been the guest that we wanted to get, and this was this it was non-negotiable. This was never oh, Cammy can't come on, so it'll just be Rob. This was always going to be a, a two-person interview, and I really appreciate it. But um, I cannot thank you enough. A because again, here we are talking about you know Garth Brooks showing up. You show up Sunday mornings for superheroes kids and. It's funny, you know, we show that video of you on the bench with, you know, the Jack and and it's the same. You're the same person with our Heroes kids. It's fantastic. And I appreciate that. But I've always been a big fan. You know that. And uh, thank you for making some time for us. 
Well, it's been my pleasure as always. And again, I don't think you guys kind of get the, the reverb of that enough, uh, how you share the, the story of sport in our community and your investment in it. And not only that, the charity side of our community and you're, you're bolstering it and finding great platforms to do it. So, you know, often it's just a one-way dialogue, but I hope for you, for you guys, you both know the impact you've had, uh, not only on me and, and what I do and sharing the stories of what we do, but more importantly, just growing the community and, and maybe even more important than that, connecting the community. So thank you for, for the work that you both do. Oh, thank you so much. Aloha. <laughs> Aloha. All right. <laughs> <Get the ring. laughs> See you later. Also, people, September 29th, home opener. Go cheer on the dinos. Father David Bauer, the parking's not as bad as it looks. And the rink fries <sighs> there are great. Those are some of the best rink fries in Calgary. This is why I love you. We this should is do a grand this ranking. is why this is why you are we the best. We should do a grand ranking. This is why I love you. You are the best. I am all angry, upset, and you are the calming influence. Like I I am how in the name of God's green earth does nobody give her a call and go, okay. "Would you be interested?" Can we talk? We don't know if this would work. Why don't you come yeah. down and, you know, at least have a conversation with us? And it's, I, yeah, because we have like our Danielle Fujitas with the Flames, and she's unreal, by the way. She was a huge part of getting Michael Stone back when he was dealing with, oh, the yeah. Pot. And she, she was working with Yusuf Alamaki. She said he was one of the most malleable maybe isn't the right world word but he was a great player to work with and he was super flexible he wasn't skating with his friends he would get on like facetime with her when he was back at home overseas mm -hmm. and you know still going through her drills and stuff but you do see like uh the moose warriors had olivia howe and a lot of uh national team coaches have told me they like to have female coaches with some of the younger boys mm -hmm. because there's just a different attention to detail in the game, especially when you take checking out of it, where mm -hmm. they just feel like this is the most efficient way for them to learn. But it's, again, it's, you know, and it's, it's certainly not a knock against, uh, you know, anybody coaching at the international level, but nobody ever says, you know, you know, can I, should a guy coach women? Eh, no, probably not. But the other way, it's ridiculous. Absolutely. It's right there for the world to see the video you showed, which was five minutes in length. We only showed 20 seconds of it. There's all kind, you know, we're dealing in this whole time of, you know, the athlete has changed. The requirements have changed. You can't coach the way you used to coach. And here's someone who's doing it right out in the open for everybody to see right out in the open. And yet nobody. I think we got a superstar at the door. No, oh, no, she can come in. I get no in point. here, girl. <laughs> I was looking at my phone thinking, I wish she's not here yet. I hope she didn't get lost because that used to be a common thing too. By the way, uh, Carla brought to you by the Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. 76 years in Calgary. We are live in the Oodle Noodle studio. We bring the heat. I mean, how good would a pad tie be from the Oodle Noodle locations uh down on 17th or in airdrie after a tough night at stampede again that's, that's the second reason i love you i don't even need to finish you got it and, and lemon grass, lemongrass chicken is the best it is it they do yeah next time you go lemongrass <sighs> i don't know is it is it hot no okay i kind of like it 
you know, not burning, but I don't mind it. Well, they do bring the heat, Rob. They too bring the heat. (laughs) Uh, We go right back uh, and very pleased as this show has got quite a a feeling to it today. And uh, and that's, it's not going to change. We go to our next guest brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com, 76 years in Calgary. Now four locations in the winter, not open right now. But they will reopen very soon, probably within the matter of months to six weeks, because the next ski season will be on us soon. So if you need to uh, dream or perhaps, uh, you know, uh, take a look around, go to the website, skisellersnowboard.com. You can always be thinking about the fall. Very pleased to have uh, we go from the best coach and one of the best coaches in in U sports to the best player in U sports in women's hockey. Uh, Tatum Amy, kind enough to join us here today. Mount Royals all-time leading scorer. Is that? Does that? How does that? I mean, of all the accolades, when you leave an institution and you're all, the all-time leading scorer, how does that make you feel? Uh, it's obviously great, but it's it's not as good as the national championship. It isn't, eh? <laughs> no. Yeah, you want that team thing, not the individual recognition. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Okay, so let's go with that. How does it feel to be a national champion? Uh, there's still no words, honestly. I've it's been a few months now, and I there hasn't been a moment that I've been able to watch the whole game again just because I get too worked up and too excited even thinking about it. Um, butterflies. I mean, it's still coming up. I go to Emory to work out every day, and I see the banner hanging there, and it's it's just surreal. I mean, it was like a hiccup away from the game being over when Brianne Trotter tied it up. What was your POV on that goal? Her second goal of that game. Yeah, I was actually, um, I was screening. So <laughs> I uh, got a great view of that puck going, going into the net. So um, I was definitely out of breath. It was hard to get from the net to the flyby, but it was, um, I just, it was a, it was a relief feeling for sure of it just going in and knowing that we were going to go to overtime. What was the setup like to that play? Um, you know, do you remember it or is it just a, a play that, that, you know, a breakdown happened, the play happens or, you know, what, what was that last, because those moments in time, especially late in the game, I mean, it's one thing to tie a game in the second period, but when you do it where you did it, um, how much of that do you remember? What, what were those final moments like? Yeah. Um, I remember being behind the net with Courtney Coleman and battling for the puck and both of us were just kind of saying, get it to the net, get it to the net. And we knew there was around 10 seconds left at that point. Um, uh, Athena Houck had the puck uh, near the tops of the circle. And then Bree just kind of whacked it in. I don't think there, you can draw that up. That's yeah. strictly uh, an amazing shot on her part. So, yeah. Relief, excitement. What goes through your head at that moment? A little bit of relief. Because as I said, I was a little bit tired. I'd been on for quite some time. Um, but then just over the moon exciting. Yeah. And then Emma seals it the deal like in overtime like that was she had an unbelievable year what was the uh she was just recognized she yeah the uh the norwegian gold star i believe that was Mm -hmm. the award yeah i mean fully deserved she she kills it with us uh this whole entire year and her whole career and then also goes to play the team norway and kills it there so she she deserves it what were the celebrations like after you got off the ice yeah so uh (laughs) I mean, it lasted a long time. It lasted for weeks after, to be honest. Um, but our uh, our friends and family booked a, a little pub for us uh, near the hotel. And we, um, I got there a little bit later. Um, I had some stuff to take care of right after the game. But entering that uh, pub with the whole team, the whole all the girls kind of were there for me to get there. And it's 
something I play in my mind all the time. Videos, photos, I'm constantly still looking through them all. It was, um, the game was great. You know, you work so hard to get there and to mm -hmm. finally accomplish what you work for all year. But um, the memories afterwards in, in those moments, that's what I, I continuously cherish. Is it true that you guys almost broke the trophy? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Off record, no. But we didn't we didn't break it. But it's it's been through the through everything. It goes everywhere with us. Where like that week after it was uh carried around quite often. We, we were just talking to yeah. Carla McLeod about uh in twenty ten when the team was criticized so much for celebrating after their Olympic gold medal with a couple beers yes. and cigars. Yes. I mean, you were you were super young then, but what do you remember about that? Honestly, I guess I would have been around 10 years old. Um, it's funny you say that because all I remember is just them winning and watching and yep. and watching how <laughs> how much it means to some of those women just to work so hard and finally accomplish that. That's all I remember, right? I don't remember saying, oh, what are they doing with some beers? What does that mean? 10-year-old um, Tatum wasn't saying I've been corrupted and this is a disgrace. <laughs> absolutely not. Um, <laughs> seeing the gold medal around their neck, that's all that I remember and what I wanted to chase, right? Now that you have a little bit of time to look back and, and I guess put some closure on this, um, what, a, what a career, I mean, at Mount Royal. Uh, I mean, just things that you would have never guessed or never prepared for. Um, how did, I, I guess the best place to start is because COVID would have been almost right smack dab in the middle, right? Very close. Yes. For, for me. Yeah. Yes, it was in the middle. Yeah. And how did that impact you? Um, quite heavily at the beginning. It was, uh, it canceled our, uh, national championship run that year. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to, I mean, I had, I went home right after that, uh, national championship. And I think that took a big beating on a lot of people. Um, I had felt super confused and lost and what are we going to do? You know, it's super unfair that, you know, our, our, uh, we were doing so well mm -hmm. Won our first game there, I had nothing but good feelings going into that tournament with that group. And just thinking of the, the grads that year had, having to take their Jersey off for the last time, not knowing it was their last time. Um, I felt for them for sure. I think that that moment also made me, um, appreciate what was to come way more than I had normally. Uh, you wouldn't sure. really hear me complain about any other 7 a.m. workouts or practices after that, that's for sure, Yeah. just because you just never know what's going to happen. Um, but getting to nationals this past year and having a couple of the alumni that were at mm -hmm. EI with us, uh, that was amazing. At any point in time, and, and I'm thinking more of, you know, the spring of 2020, um, did you think maybe it was over? Hockey was over? Uh, no, I have, okay. I have high hopes. And I, I mean, the team, we got to practice a few times. Mm -hmm. So there was a little bit, we get teased, right? We get to go on the ice sometimes then get taken off. And so, no, I don't think it was over. I didn't have yeah. that thought. No. The groups of 10, were you ever part of those where you could only have 10 on the ice and a coach or groups of one groups of one. Yeah. yeah. And, and to, to persevere through that. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, you, your words, not mine, but to make it sweeter, right. When it's all said and done. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. What do you remember? What will you remember when you put your head down and you go to sleep about that, that championship? 
Yeah, um, a lot of things, I guess. I think that just simply the team itself, the environment that I feel lucky to have been a part of this whole season and just how everyone just grabbed the bull by the horns and said, yeah, no, we're, we're going to do this. It was, we were full of pride and mm-hmm. belief that we were meant to be there. Although a lot of others maybe didn't think so. And the underdog word came up a lot, but for me personally, I never saw that group as, as that at all. Um, so I think just the relationships just with that, you know, that national championship team is, is going to be, with me forever. Is there it ticked a- off a lot of big boxes that year yeah. because he also won the Crow Child Classic with Caitlin and her shutout. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was what I was going to ask. I mean, that's the end of the journey, but that season, was there ever a, you know, was there a, a turning point? Was there a, a cross, you know, a, a fork in the road? Was there anything as you, you know, you look back on, you know, 2023, 20 or 22, 23, was there any, you know, behind the scenes, you know, drama or anything that may have derailed this? Uh, well, for me personally, I dislocated my shoulder in January, which took me out of the FC games, which was super disappointing. Um, sure. But as far as the full, the, the team goes, um, we got swept by U of A, we got swept by U of M. Um, so it was kind of a two week streak, not in our, our favor. Um, but honestly, you look at the entire season and all of that happened for a reason. Mm-hmm. That means we finished third. That means, you know, it just kind of goes, it's a domino effect. So I think that, no, I, I can't really think of a huge bump in the road for us. And okay. I think I see it as everything had to happen the way it did, you know, even losing against UBC that set us up for who we played at nationals. So I think it all happened to lead us to where we got to. It's funny. It's kind of the same way for Brianna, isn't it? Coming back from an injury and not being so sure what her role would be and ending up playing one of the biggest ones. Yeah. I mean, she came in and right when we needed her, right? Uh, just when uh, games start to get a little bit closer and the season sort of builds up. And I mean, it looked like nothing had happened to her and she just kind of slid in right where um, she left off. And then you get named Canada West Player of the Year. And then we hear... I mean, the correct thing that Tatum Amy is going to play professional mm-hmm. hockey in North America. Can you take me through how those conversations came about? Like, did the Buttes reach out to you? Like, how does yeah. that all happen? Uh, so I have to give a huge shout out to my agent, uh, Lander Cook with LDC Talent. He has been amazing throughout this entire journey of mine. Um, so I signed with him and from there, he kind of took care of everything. He got me a great deal with the Buttes and so he made it easy. And then... We know what happened last week with the announcement of a new league being formed. PWHPA will disband. The PHF will disband. What first went through your mind when you heard that news, like the good and the bad? Yeah, so I got the call that that was happening and I had to hop on a meeting really quick. And I sort of thought, well, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Because, you know, it could be could be good. It could be fine. Everything could be fine. Um, hop on the call and I hear that sort of everything's changing and I am no longer a butte. My contract's voided. Obviously, I I was devastated because the last couple months I've got to <laughs> short-lived be a professional hockey player yeah. <laughs> officially. Um, I think that th- there's a lot of unknown, and I think that that's the scariest part. Um, me being someone who is a first time um, into this league, first contract, I don't really know what it's all about yet. So I was still sort of learning. Um, and I heavily feel for some of the players that have been there since the beginning. And this is all changing again for them after all they've built. 
Um, so it's devastating, but I, I know deep down, you know, in the long run, it's going to be really great for the women's game. It's tough. Yeah. Cause I know there are some women, I think it was Sarah LaFour who bought a house in the market, anticipating playing there with a, a big contract, people who bought cars, signed leases. Yeah. Did you have any of that done at that point? No, no, oh, I hadn't, good. I hadn't done that. Yeah. So I, w I was definitely one of the lucky ones, right? So you got to feel for, for those players. So what happens going forward? Uh, have they communicated whether there will be a tryout process for people who had contracts, anything like that? Nothing concrete yet. No, um, I think it's still, there's still moving parts and it's still all up in the air. So just have to, have to wait and see, go with the flow. Well, yeah, it's easy to say that, but, um, you know, you and I had coffee a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about when you were going to Buffalo and, you know, the preparation now, even, you know, we assume there might be something in the new year, but what are you doing in terms of training? What are you doing in terms of preparation? Do you, how do you keep motivated? Um, I think for me personally, as, as long as I get to play hockey, I'm going to be a happy gal. So I think that's my motivation is just, I've worked so hard to get to this next step. I just have to keep going. Um, at the end of the day, I will find a place to play and because I know I'm going to work that hard. And I think that that that's what's been keeping me, you know, get to the gym, get to the yeah. ice when you can. I think that's probably the strongest, best mindset I can probably go with right now. Confident that you'll be playing in the new league or confident that you'll have a place to play? Just have a place to play. Okay. That's, that's my little motivation right now. It's just any, anywhere I can play at this point, I'll be extremely happy about it. Would that include Europe? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So there are, are options presenting themselves or you're confident that there's options going to present themselves? I think in the beginning when I was really breaking things down, I'm one player. There's also hundreds now of other players looking mm -hmm. to decide what they want to do, if there's going to be spots for them, even in Europe at this point. I yeah. mean, it's the 10th of July. Uh, roster spots fill up quickly. It's a great league out there. There's lots of great leagues out there. Um, so I think that... All you can do is just hope and reach out to as many players and and coaches and GMs and just see what's what's going on and and just hope that you can play somewhere. When's the last time you weren't on a team? COVID. I, I mean, like yeah, but you're still part of Mount Royal. Like right yeah. now, you're 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 kind of a, a a woman without a country in a way, right? Like you that's know, that's fair. Yeah, I guess never. I I've never you know had nowhere to play going into a hockey season. Yeah. So. Is crazy to think about. Are you able to share or are you in conversation with other players in similar situation? Uh, yeah, I've, I've chatted with a few players and I think we're all just sort of, I mean, it's been good to talk to other players mm -hmm. because that's ultimately they are going through the same things you are. So it's, it's, it's easy to talk to, you know, other coaches and your parents and, and friends, but the other players going through the same thing, it's been great to lean on them. Um, I think that no one really knows the right answer or what to do, right? Because a lot of players are like me. They just want to play. Right. So. And you said earlier that it's good for the game. Is it good for the game because that's what a hockey player is supposed to say? Or do you really believe that it's good for the game long term? No, I, I think it is good for the game long term. I mean, there's two leagues. And I mean, I, I don't even think that everyone or, you know, people not involved with hockey even understood what that meant. They, they saw two leagues and they were, yeah. they didn't know what that meant, but now, you know, combining the two, it's very easier. It's much easier to get fans involved and young girls, you know, play, mm -hmm. you know, setting that goal for one league 
instead of saying, oh, I can go here, I can go there, you know, there's just that one option. I think that over time and as it builds, it will be Great. Had you heard people who just haven't uh, seen how it all breaks down right now? The report is that there will be six teams divided by Canada and the states. The PHF had seven teams and the PWHPA had, was it three or four? It was three. Four. Four. Yeah. 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 Added one this year. So that's a lot of players who were on those rosters who will be looking for work now. Well, and there's the little things, the little details, you know, you were talking about Europe starting a league in the new year, isn't really, you know, conducive to, you know, what if you do take a job over there? Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's from now till then it is a long time. Yeah. Right. Um, but they're, you know, they still haven't announced everything. There could be a lot more coming in between now and then that we don't know about. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I guess what I was just going to ask is if you had any inclining that this was coming, I, I mean, for me and I'm not in the sport, but it just came right out of the blue. Right. Yeah. Me too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was very out of the blue. Wow. Wow. I mean, it, We've talked, you and I have talked, you and I have talked about how necessary this was, but it it doesn't feel right in a way. Like, I, I, right's the wrong word, but it just, it feels so damn awkward, mm -hmm. the whole thing, right? Like, it should be a celebration. It should be, like, moving forward, and, and now we're left guessing, and, and it just, to me, it's awkward. Yeah, I think, I think the, the most, as you say, awkward piece about it is just the timing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, lots of those we, we signed. I, I was going to go to Buffalo in a couple of months. Right. So I think mm -hmm. the timing obviously is hard, um, but it it is what it is at this point. And I think if anything has taught me this past year, you know, especially with my injury, my shoulder, that everything's going to be OK. Mm -hmm. Things happen for a reason. One door closes, another is going to open. Mm -hmm. It's going to be OK. Are you skating now? Uh, Yeah. Here and there. OK. Yeah. We yeah. see you back on the ice with the superheroes. If I'm here, absolutely, yeah, for sure. Well, you're talking I'm not even worried about the supers because you were uh, you're a Thursday uh, volunteer too. Yes. So yeah. with heroes in uh, Forest Lawn, correct? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Too. Oh yeah, no. I mean, this is the real deal right here. This <laughs> really? is absolutely the real deal. Well, you're we saying earlier with Carla, like a lot of the kids don't recognize when NHL alumni or Garth Brooks is on the ice. <laughs> But they get pumped when you're all there. Yeah. I, I mean, every Thursday I go, some, like some of those kids get to come watch the Crow Child game. Um, they make me feel so important. And I'm the, I'm the biggest superstar they've ever seen. So, um, you know, community service is about giving back. But they've given back to me countless times. Some of those kids I've made great relationships with, with many of them that I still talk to. Um, I text sometimes every day. So, yeah. How did, how far have you seen some of them come since they started playing hockey? Yeah, so this was my sixth season with the Heroes. Um, I started when I first entered university at MRU. And so some of them have been with me for six years. So lots of change. I mean, watching a kid step on the ice for the first time ever and then seeing them now, um, it's an amazing experience to be a part of. Tell me a little bit about, because it's a conversation that, you know, you and I had, but I, I want to share it a little more wildly public about using your platform now. You know, you did, you did that for six years. You, you went out and you made these kids' lives better. Um, tell me about the importance of using your platform and where that comes from. Who, who ingrained that in you? Um, I think, I mean, I've had a lot of great mentors in my life. Um, 
entering heroes, Kevin Hodgson, obviously. Oh, no, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> has been, um, had a great uh, impact on who I am and how I um, have been able to grow within the heroes program and take what I've learned there into other organizations. Um, I've quickly learned through social media after I've, you know, made a comment, made a post on just how much impact I do have and having lots of people reach out to me. So I think, um, especially after the the pride video I'd made, I've, I've had lots of people yeah. reach out to me and I think just quickly realizing, Oh, okay. People are listening to me. And, um, now knowing to, to use my platform, I think it's important for lots of athletes to use it. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, can you tell us about the pride video? Yeah, sure. Um, we did it through the PHF. Um, it was just uh, me talking about my coming out journey and how hockey has been a huge part of it. I mean, I couldn't have done it without my teammates and the support from my teammates and um, just them being patient with me and, and growing and me now being fully uh, comfortable around the rink has been able to allow me to um, be at my fullest potential as a player. The world is better with its most authentic Tatum Amy. Exactly. <laughs> so tell, tell me a little bit about the decision to do that. This is an interesting time for pride, um, especially in hockey. Your reaction to the NHL's announcement a couple of weeks ago that, you know, they weren't going to do jerseys, warm up jerseys anymore. We all know why. I mean, it wasn't the, the pushback they got to the veterans jerseys. It wasn't the pushback they got to, you know, black history month. It was the pushback they got to the pride jerseys. What, how did that make you feel? Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, a little off-putting, offsetting. I think a lot of people are were a little shocked by that, right? I mean, anything you can do to make anyone feel comfortable while watching the game. Mm -hmm. We want everyone to be able to come to an arena and sit down and watch the game and enjoy the game that we all love mm -hmm. and feel comfortable while doing so. Um, I think that that was a little bit of a step backwards um, for what I just had said. Yeah. Um, which is disappointing. Um Hopefully they re reevaluate and, and decide to do otherwise, because I think it just, it, it loses fans. I mean, they lose that connection with that one piece they, they had, right. By seeing a rainbow on a Jersey. Right. So um, I think that it was definitely a step back. It, Especially it, since Calgary actually had players who stepped forward and said, I want to be a part of this. Like Dylan Dubé said, yeah. can I please model the Jersey? Yeah. Like Uyghur wanted to be a big part of it. Rasmus Anderson wanted to be a big part of it. And I think it made just a lot of fans feel seen. Yeah, a hundred percent. It, it, it's that connection that the, that that can make with a fan, right? It makes them want to go to the game because they know when they're there, they are accepted. They're also a part of the hockey community. Well, my, my apologies if this is going to piss anybody off, but pride, sorry. but pride, no, I'm not worried. About I already it know you're not sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> Uh, Pride is not this. This isn't a recruitment program. This is about making some young person who's confused or, you know, just they need to feel like they belong. They need to see that you're safe. The, the problem and nothing against any of the other programs. This is saving lives. That's the one thing that pisses me off the most about this is this makes a difference. And, and we chose to walk away from it. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Well, that brought the whole show to a grinding halt. <laughs> no, it, it just it 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 just it bothers me a little bit. But not a not a challenge for you to come out and share your story publicly. Not a you know no regrets. No, I mean, have you had any you know feedback, pushback, or anything? 
No, nothing negative yeah. at all. I think I've had more people reach out to me and say, "Wow, this is, this is amazing! I'm super proud of you." Um, disappointing now that you know the PHF is folded and that video is probably lost in the in the in somewhere. <laughs> but well, we'll my hope is you'll get download to do it, it again at the new yeah. in the new team. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but I think maybe if you're not following what the discourse has been like this season you might not know how many wonderful queer fans there are in the nhl brock mcgillis did mm -hmm. a great project last year year before but they interviewed hundreds of mm -hmm. fans from all across the alphabet to share their stories like the good the bad the ugly about what it's been like being in the hockey space which sometimes doesn't feel as accepting as other sports, but, the, but it's been wonderful to hear everyone's perspectives because at the end of the day, like what's the one true thing that you see through every single video, everyone loves hockey. But yeah. the, that's why this show is pissing me off now because I have the two guests I wanted in the coast. I wanted now I'm mad. You know, we had Carla McLeod on and you know, I assume that the world has watched what Carla has done, that somebody would have reached out WHL, AHL, NHL and said, Hey, can we talk? Nope. Not one. It's ridiculous. You know, it's okay. Nobody asks a question if a man wants to coach a women's team, but God forbid a woman coach a man's team, right? And then here we are. You have, you know, this, the strength of character to stand up for what you believe in and talk. And the sport at the highest, quote unquote, highest level says, ah, it's a wee bit too much of an inconvenience. So we're not going to do this anymore. Like, I love the sport, but the sport needs a kick in the ass. Am I, am I wrong? Love in sports when they don't love you back. Sometimes <laughs> it's the institutionalism of it all. Like there's so much institutionalism we have to still rally against. Yeah. Right. Your day job. You work for kids sport. Yes. Right. You know, we shouldn't have to have kids sport. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we do. I'm glad we have the sports bank. I, I don't get me wrong. I'm really glad we do, but it should be a right of a child to be able to play a sport. It shouldn't be a, a privilege, right? And again, you know, here we are battling against this institutional. It's not a question. It's just me off on a tangent again. <laughs> what does your day-to-day -day look like at KidSport? Yeah, so I'm solely in charge of the application process. Um, so I work a lot alongside families um, who are in need of some funding to put their children in uh, sport. What reaction do you get when someone's been approved for funding? It's a big one in, in a lot of excitement, um, a lot of thank yous, people. Um, I mean, it's great to, in my position, I, I get to, you know, be a part of the process to approve these families and then also watch them come into the Flames Equipment Bank and watch them get fitted in, in their equipment. And the smiles on, on the kids' faces are, are just priceless. You can't get it anywhere else. It must be just pure dopamine at the sports bank when kids are getting fitted. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can't hear enough laughter and smiles and just, you know, the curiosity of, you know, how some of it's very new and yeah. first time that they're receiving their their very first soccer ball or their very first, you know, pair of cleats, anything like that. So it's, it's amazing. One of the things that I don't, I don't know if kids sport ever t talks about enough and, and you would deal with it is that, you know, the people, the families we help are not making a conscious decision. Like they're in a situation and it's, it, you know, to ask for help sometimes is hard, right? Sometimes it, it can be hard. Like, you know, it, you, you know, I, I know how you operate, but you know, part of what makes you so special is not making them feel like they're 
an inconvenience or anything like that, that they're part of, they're part of the sport, right? Yeah. That's what you have to do. For sure. I mean, even for myself personally, it's sometimes hard to ask for help. So I think you can have anyone alongside, you know, just supporting you through that and making it seem like it's okay. And which it is okay mm -hmm. to ask for help. Um, I think it goes a long way. You brought up something very interesting with, um, uh, with Carla that I think we should bring up with Tatum, which is NCAA versus U sport. Did you ever have to make a, a decision? No, I was strictly Canada. I wanted to stay here. So I never had to go down that route. Yeah. Should short and sweet, nice and easy. Well, yeah, I, I know, like, yeah. but how do we, how do we get more people, which is uh, as long as I've been in the business, we've had this, you know, Oh, it's the best kept secret. Oh, it's this, it's that. I, we all know that about you sport, but how do we get people to start treating the level of hockey with the respect that it deserves? Yeah, I mean, I've learned even just throughout my quick process with the PHF. Um, there are a lot of players in the NCAA that are um, more highlighted than than athletes in sports. I mean, I've had interviews that I've been compared to that U sports has been compared to NCAA many times. I mean, I've never played in the NCAA. I've known players that played there. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've watched enough to say. Um, they're like this and they're even their level. I'd like to think so. I mean, um, I've watched MRU grow over the past six years. I know Canada West is a strong league. I've, I mean, Carla said it herself. It's, it is a strong league to play in. Yep. Um, so I don't know the answer for that either. I think that everyone finds their place to play. I mean, Mount Royal was mine and I'm, extremely happy I went with it um but there's everyone transfers they go through different teams within a league that they just need to find their place and when you do and it's a perfect fit then you know it's going to be good why did you want to stay in Canada um I think just I love the idea of my family being able to drive up and watch me play as many times as they could and um just with school at the time I wasn't sure what I was going to be taking and how it would transfer back over and Etc. Mm -hmm. so. What did you end up taking? Uh, physical literacy was my major, and right. sport and recreation management was my minor. Okay. Oh, David Lake. Yep. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Hodgson to David Lake. You can't do a show without them coming up somehow, <laughs> somewhere in the conversation. No, that's and you know, which is when you continue your hockey journey, you will end up playing against players who were at prominent NCAA schools and yeah. and things like that. That. That was that's not an intimidation or anything like that. I mean, right? No, no. If anything, it's it's impressive, right? You get to you get to experience just a different um, skill level, right? I mm -hmm. mean, I I know what Canada West looks like. I have no idea what half the NCAA teams look like. So oh, it's yeah. just it's a it's a fun challenge. Another thing Carla mentioned is that right now, once you're done with university, for many many players, there aren't a lot of options. Like how guys can even go down to the SPHL. Yeah. And like, you know, do commercials for Waffle House and make $300 a week. Right. But a lot of female players don't get to play at a high level when they're actually at their peak at like 26, 27, 28. Where do you feel like you're at in your game right now? Um, yeah, I guess I, I would say that, you know, graduating from MRU and finishing there that I, I do feel I'm ready for a new challenge. I feel I've grown and I've developed as a player and mm -hmm. I think that I'm ready for a new challenge. If that makes sense. Haven't hit the peak yet. Uh, no, no, I don't think so. Hmm. So if that being the key, if you haven't, if you're not at your peak, 
what part of your game or what parts of your game continue to develop? Where, where do you think you could get better as a pro? Um, well, I think heading into the, the PHF season for me and my main focus is to develop the summer was just speed. And mm-hmm. I was going to be playing against women that are much older than I, like, than I am four or five years old that are strictly muscle and just probably a lot more stronger than I am. So I think just, you know, growing and building my speed and power. That was my main focus is my main focus going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Did you learn on figure skates or hockey skates? Cause I know some coaches say that people who start with the figure skates, sometimes the strides are just kind of already there. No, I've always hockey skates. Yeah. Since I started lucky. Yeah. <laughs> There's no girls hockey in my hometown. Cause you're, you're, like, you're from Manitoba, skating. right? Yes. I'm yeah. from Manitoba. Okay. Yeah. So small town or big city Manitoba? Small towns, small towns, six, 700 people. Okay. Yeah. So outdoor rinks? Uh, no, we have, uh, no, no, I mean, I, not to suggest there weren't, I, I just meant, did you, I just don't think we have that outdoor rink, um, you know, in our DNA, like we used to, right. Right. You know, where Saturdays were not to suggest there wasn't a Quonset or something. No, no. Well, climate change. (laughs) (sighs) Boy, I'm having a bad day. (laughs) This thing's just going south. Did you play always on all girl teams or were you on boys teams too growing up? No, I was on all boys teams until uh, my parents and their friends actually just created an all female team. Oh, I think I was maybe 10. Um, it was the classic. My mom was the manager and my dad was the coach. And that was how the first female, um, all female team started in Bertle. So it was okay. pretty awesome. Yeah. Did you, did you like it or, I mean, were you, they wanted it, but did you want it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was, I still played with the boys at the same time. Oh, okay. So I was on double team for uh, quite some time. Okay. Um, I, which I think is why I got to where I am today is just get, playing as much as I could mm. with lots of different skill sets and, you know, playing on the all girls team versus the all boys team and the all girls team at the time, it was different skill sets because we had to, we actually uh, recruited some figure skaters in, into coming to playing hockey at the time. So, which are so still some of my closest friends. So. Sounds like a Disney channel movie, right? That <laughs> seems like a, like a movie for sure. What advice do you have for, a 10 year old girl now who want, who dreams of being a pro hockey player? Uh, I think just, I mean, it's cliche for sure, but just work extremely hard. And um, there's going to be a lot of times where things don't go your way. But like I said earlier, one door closes, mm. another one's going to open. And if you just stay true to yourself and you work as hard as you possibly can, someone's going to notice. Is, is it too early to ask you if, if coaching is interesting to you? Uh, well, I actually was in the Hockey Canada uh, mentorship coaching okay. program the last two years. Okay. Um, so I coached alongside Kyle Severson with the AAA uh, Calgary Fire okay. team. Okay. Um, so yeah, that was a, an amazing experience. I mean, the, some of those girls are amazing hockey players, and Kyle Severson is a great uh, coach to be mentored by. So it was a great experience. It's a great year. They were second at the Maddie Schwartz, weren't they? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They did awesome. Tell me about the the mentor. Tell me about that mentorship program. You know, and, and why was it important for you to to take that on along with heroes hockey and school and your club team? I mean, that's a lot of work. Yeah, I wanted to dip my toes and seeing what was maybe going to be something that was next for me. Um, basically, what happens is uh, we meet monthly with um, the other athletes in the program um, that are in 
youth sports as well. So we kind of connect and get to talk about, mm-hmm. you know, what happened in their week for practices. Um, if you ran a practice and it went horribly, you got to talk to them about yeah. that. Um, so I just got to basically hang out with the Calgary Fire and also be connected with lots of great youth sports athletes as well. Did, did that change anything for you as a player? When you you have to stop and you know run drills or, or look at it from that, does that impact you as a player? Yes, I think as a player and then also as a leader within my team on how mm. to sort of approach every individual has sees things differently, whether that be visual, you know, with words, just depends on yeah. who you are. And I think as a leader, bringing that into with my line mates, you know, how explaining to them how we could have done things something different. I think that that really helped me and and how I want to be a leader. Yeah. Oh, I, I think that's fantastic. So it could be something down the road. Yes, I think so. I think not quite yet. I'm definitely no, no. Yeah, yeah. still in player mode. I think that I found that sometimes even with the, the Calgary fire, I was still, you know, I wanted to be, you know, alongside them in their full equipment at times. So I think I'm definitely still in player mode. So you wouldn't have grown up with them, but from Manitoba Jets fan, Surprisingly, no. Um, right. Yeah, I um, my family is a huge hockey family. Uh, we never really had that one team mm. we would cheer for, so it's kind of a night. Nice, it's kind of nice, um, just you know, watching hockey, just because we all enjoy it. It sounds a lot less stressful. That sounds lovely. <laughs> it, it is. Let me tell you, it is lovely. <laughs> I don't know what I'm stress you could possibly be talking about. I tried to riot. I tried to single-handedly riot in my small town in BC in 2011. (laughs) That was a horrible day. And it really disappointed me that I liked Milan Lucic a lot when he was here. (laughs) He's one of my favorite people to deal with. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, you got your uh, go-home question? Who's the most famous person in your phone? Um, I heard you ask Carla this question, and I was like, oh, I don't really have that many famous people, I don't think. Oh, I don't know. I have some national team players in there. Um, I've got uh, Micah Zandi Hart and uh, Brienne Jenner. Hey, well. oh, I love Brienne Jenner. <laughs> yeah, she was, uh, her and Micah both um, were uh, some of our assistant coaches over the last few years now. So it's been, it's it's great having them out there and um, building those relationships for sure, especially now with all this going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Micah's been a great shoulder to lean on and an ear for me. So it's been awesome. It's good. I'm glad they're there for you in yeah. that way. Yeah. Do you feel like you're, I mean, we've thrown a lot at you. There's a lot to talk to you. But do you feel like you're on a hamster wheel? Do you feel like you're going downhill on, on marbles and roller skates? Do you, do you feel like everything's right in front of you? Where, where are you at right now? I mean, a lot has transpired in a short period of time. Yes. Yeah. I, it's been crazy. I mean, hockey sort of is that way things change like that, the mm-hmm. game, you know, within the game. Um, I think that for me, it, this year has taught me just take a breath, one step forward, yeah. everything, you know, it's okay to have a moment. I, cause I definitely did hearing the news, but sure. I think, um, after that moving forward, I'm just going to keep working hard and, um, I know I'll get somewhere. Well, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun watching you. Um, I really, you know, Oh, it's been a blast covering you. Like the team was so go. fun. It was wonderful to have the trophy in studio. So even going back to the COVID season, like the expect the expectations were just 
so high that year. And even Crow Child Classic this year, you're running into the alumni still coming out to support. So thank you. It's just been, it's been a blast front beginning to end basically. And to me, it's more about the the heroes and using your platform and, and I, you know, you're obviously on the ice, you're, you're a role model, but I love the fact that you're also to me, the role model for what a, um, an empowered female athlete should be and can be. You know, it's funny, we have that conversation with Carla about, you know, how they got into trouble for drinking beers and smoking cigars after, you know, that's because you, you can have equality, but as long as we're okay with it, you know, we got to be comfortable with it. I, I just love the fact that, you know, you have a platform and you choose to use it and you're making our community better. So uh, Tatum, congratulations on the championship and all the accolades. And I, I know you'll, I know you're going to land on your feet. I just feel terrible for you because I know how excited you were to go to Buffalo. So thank you for coming in and, and spending some time with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. Thanks. Well, I don't know about an honor. Well, I mean, Candy was here. Yeah. Probably. Oh, no. Hey, wow. What? CIS? No, not CIS. That's how old I am. You sports uh, media personality. Well, of the at decade. least you didn't go CIAU. <laughs> I could have very easily. I could have. Thanks. Uh, by the way, uh, Tatum brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. 76 years in Calgary. 76 years in Calgary. Um, before I wrap it up. Um, I actually have a question for you before you yes. wrap it up. Uh, well, just because Stampede is on, I didn't know this about you. You spent seven years calling rodeo? Yeah, Dwayne Danes and I. Yeah. Talking about uh, the things you saw. Ro yeah, it was great. I mean, uh, we did it on the radio, and uh, I think... Uh, there were some who liked it and there were some who, why aren't you talking about, you know, Todd Bertuzzi, he signed with Calgary. I don't want to hear about, you know, somebody on a horse. It is what it is. Uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, learned a lot about it. Um, it was fun 10 days, but nice when it was over, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, um, you know, most of the time the weather was good, but sometimes you get those late storms that would blow in during bull bus or bull riding and stuff like that. But yeah. Uh, bull bus and come on, Cody. Yeah, Sander. I know. I, yeah. Well, he's redefined that sport. So yes, I did that. But that, um, that to me was just another opportunity that this great career path provided for me. I was lucky. And, and Dwayne was a huge mentor, great guy and fantastic to work with. We had a lot of fun. Well, perfect. Maybe we'll watch some rodeo this week. Yeah, it, it should be good. Um, it should be good. I, um, I guess I should apologize to men coaching women's hockey. I just thinking about this. I'm not upset that men coach women's. I mean, Scott's a friend of mine over at Mount Royal. They're great guys. That's not my point. The point was that the Carla made was nobody ever says, can a, should a man coach a women's team? Is he qualified? But criticizing what, the double standard. Not that that's exactly that. it. I don't want anybody to think I'm I, I'm mad at, at men for coaching women's hockey. That's not it. I'm mad. You're not telling Troy Ryan to kick rocks. No, no, no. But I am a little pissed. That, great. I'm a little pissed that nobody came and asked Carla. Mm -hmm. You know what do you what do you think? What are you doing? What do you what do you what do you want to do? That to, it's the institutionalism of it all again. It's the same thing. Like. You know, I, uh, Tatum was kind enough to come have coffee with me a couple weeks ago. It was so exciting to talk to her about going to Buffalo. I'm like, I'm like, I'm a fan now. I'm a fan. And then all of a sudden, oh, here's the business of the game, and mm -hmm. it brings me back to the conversations I had with Batman. And all you know, w when it's one empty, we'll deal with it. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's told me that. I can't even count how many times. <laughs> I know, but it's almost like screw off. You don't need the NHL's approval anymore. Like go do like, let's go do it and do it right. But let's build a league with 30 teams. Cause we've got the players. Like that's the part that drives me nuts 
is again, it's what Carla said, that great example of they had cigars and beers and how dare you do that? It's okay to be equal. You can be equal, but only the equal we like, right? The only the equal we're comfortable with, not the equal that's equal equal. And that's the parts that drive me nuts. Doesn't it? Like, isn't yeah. it? Right? Preaching to the choir. I, mean, oh, I know. There's the point I where am. you just get tired. Well, it's the same thing with the pride jerseys, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, that's just, I don't need to revisit that show again, but it's just insane to me. It's just absolutely insane. Oh, we got pushback. We better shut up. Well, no. speaking of like teams that did it right, the Cav cavalry even like replaced the corner kick flags. Yeah. Oh, you got the yeah, I got you it right, one of them right yeah, behind absolutely. you. Absolutely. 100%. Lovely. So 100%. go support those guys. They play on Wednesday against Atletico Ottawa, then on the 15th against Halifax. Yes. That's always a good game when they yes. play Halifax. Yes. Uh, they won two in a row. All star scoring lots of goals. All star break. Mm -hmm. Uh in baseball, home run derby tonight. Slowest, traditionally the slowest sports day in the calendar. Right. We used to have to feel like still summer filling seven and a half minutes of sports on a weekend. Local oh, yeah. no, no, no. I get it. I get it. But I remember. Enjoy your three I remember long stampeders. We'd have meetings in May at 960. But what are we going to do on July 11th? Oh, my God. You know, and it's like, guys, there's stuff to talk about. Mm -hmm. But there we are. Uh, final mile today. Uh, just want to shout out Brian Burke. Brian Burke formerly of the uh, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, formerly Sportsnet, formerly the Calgary Flames, is back in town tomorrow for Brian Burke's Targets for Kids. He is coming to Calgary specifically to support this cause for Kidsport Calgary and the Sports Equipment Bank. He is coming specifically to be the name on this, uh, and he has done that for the last three or four versions of it. He does not need to do this, but he is the, you know, you look at, you can play and you can look at all of the things that you think you know about Brian Burke and all of the things that Brian Burke actually does. And he is an inspiration. So really excited about this. We're going to have a ton, a ton of celebrities there tomorrow, a ton of teams tomorrow. Might be a little wet, but nonetheless, we're going to have a lot of fun. But I just think I want the world to know that Brian Burke, who could very easily blow this off, could very easily calls kids sport and talks to Kevin uh, Webster and says, this is when I'm available. Can we do it? Absolutely. So I just want the world. Uh, I, if I could sing it from the treetops, I would sing that. I want Tatum Amy to have a hockey job right away. I want Carla McLeod coaching where she's comfortable. And I want people to understand what a great dude Brian Burke is and how lucky and how much I love working with you. That, that four things Thanks, I would sing from the trees. I guess the top of the building. I don't think I fit in trees anymore. I think I just bend them. Risky. Uh, we are back on Friday. Oh, you might want to put this in your day timers. Uh, Brent Gibbs. Brent Gibbs. Hey. On Friday, because we are going to preview the All Elite Wrestling Show coming to Calgary for the first time ever on Saturday. Um, so, and uh, Amy Bontorn of the Calgary Hitman is uh, are going to be our guest at that event. She is currently making us... Um, uh, uniforms, costumes, uh, whatever you want to say. We're going to all look the same. I've been bugs bugging Gibbsy about this. I've bugged the NHL about this, mm -hmm. trying to find the rejected jersey designs because the NHL has to sign off on them. Mm -hmm. I want to know what the OG Blasty looked like because they always tweak something from what I've heard. Mm -hmm. I want to know what the rejected jerseys are. Mm -hmm. I'm told Calgary's were lost in the flood. I don't mm -hmm. believe it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, I can ask him on Friday. Can't all be wrestling. 
Uh, thanks to our outstanding guests today, Carla McLeod and Tatum Amy. Thanks to our outstanding co-host, Cami uh, Kepke, the uh, CIAU Media Person of the Year. And thanks to our outstanding producer, Jack. We're back on Friday. Remember, it is summer schedule. Uh, no Wednesday shows for us. Thanks, everybody. Have a great couple of days and enjoy Stampede.